Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, good morning, Grace Capital Church. You guys doing well? How many of you guys excited that we serve a God who is alive and well? He is not dead, but he's alive. How many of you know a God who is dead deserves zero worship, deserves no prayer? How many of you guys know that? Oh my gosh, am I preaching myself this morning? Come on, I'll go back to my house if I need to. This has been uh, an incredible, incredible week in my life. To start this week off, uh, I work for an organization called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. This week, we did an FCA soccer camp at Conquer Christian Academy, and we had uh, 65 kids from all over the community. Some of them were yours. We had, I think, 13 or 14 kids from the refugee community that were able to come in, that got scholarshiped in. It was so funny. Every single day, new kids started showing up. They, like, didn't, it was like, oh, they just heard about camp. They just started coming. They started walking. They just walked to camp and said, hey, can we, can we, come, can we come to camp? Like, uh, sure. Yeah, you're here. Might as well show on up. But the second day, Kaylin was speaking throughout the week, and she gave a gospel presentation. How many of you know God says, have childlike faith? More than half these kids are saved, were saved, got saved again. When she said, how many of you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? 65 little hands went up. 65 little hands. Some, maybe for the 15th time. I don't know. But they're like, I, I, I just love Jesus. What you said is so real to me, is so true. I love it. Come on, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Come on, I'll raise my hand again. Praise Jesus. This weekend, uh, we, we got to bring some of the youth down to Providence, Rhode Island. If you guys know anything about Providence, Rhode Island, uh, we just, I heard this again, and I knew this before, uh, but one of the pastors said this. He said, in January, Time Magazine came out with a list of the least churched cities, or the least biblically-minded cities in America. Providence, Rhode Island was number one. And the top ten was filled with cities in New England filled with cities in New England. It was amazing to gather in the Dunkin' Donuts arena with 5,000 youth and youth leaders from all over the Northeast that were crying out for revival, that were crying out for Jesus Christ to break through in New England. Amen? Come on. This is not something that we can passively go about. This is something that we actually have to hunger for. We have to want this. Revival doesn't just happen. It doesn't just show up one day. People are hungry. People are pulling on heaven and bringing it to earth and saying, this is what we have. We must have more of Jesus and nothing else. We don't want anything else. Today, we're going to dive into this series called Louder Than Words. If you guys want to turn with me to the book of James. James, James, James. Love the book of James. James is what I would consider, it's like the Proverbs of, of, the, New, of the New Testament, right? It's incredibly practical. Some of us read Paul's letters, and you read it, and you're just like, I have no idea what he just said, but I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> James is not that book. James is like, oh, I get it. He pretty much lays it out for you. I think in the life of Jesus, there are certain people that you would want to talk to. James is one of those people. James, his brother, he's one of those people I would want to talk to. 
See, I have a younger brother, and I can understand this. I can understand this. If my younger brother, as we were growing up, if my parents were saying, hey, this guy's going to save the world, your brother, your brother Chris, yeah, your brother Chris, he's going to save the world. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've all been looking for. I'd be like, mom, you are so nuts. Mom, you are nuts. Like, Jesus, you are nuts. Like, what are you doing? I can understand this. I actually have sympathy for this man. Some people don't, but I'm like, dude, if this was your brother, come on. If this was your brother saying, it's like, I think we have the same mom. I, th- I think we do. I think we have the same dad. I remember what you did to me when I was younger. Like, you know all the stories. But there's a portion in James 2 that says, faith without works is dead. Say this with me. Faith without works is dead. That is basically the basis of what we're going to go over. Louder than words. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that we serve a God who is alive and not dead. I thank you that we can passionately preach that. We can passionately live that because it's true. You're here with us right now. God, we just release a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation over every single heart, over every single mind right now that we would go into the deep places of the kingdom of heaven, the deep places of your heart. Holy Spirit, we just say, have your way with this service. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So we're going to dive into James 1, and we're going to start with two portions of scripture. James 1, 2 through 4, this is what it says. Consider it a great joy. My brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And verse 12 says, blessed is a man who endures trials because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that he has promised to those who love him. How many of you are teachers? Do we have any teachers here? So we have tons of teachers. That's awesome. Teachers have something uh, against children, and it's, they're called tests. So as a kid, you, you hate tests. But as you get older, you understand the test. You understand that as a teacher, you taught for a certain period of time. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a year. And there is a test. But the test is to say, did you learn anything? The test, although from a child's perspective, you might be, this is a punishment. I hate this. This is horrible. It's not. It's actually to understand, did you, re- did you learn anything? Were you listening? Did you come to class? Did you come to class? As an athlete, your test is a game. Your test is a game. When I was 18 years old, I had the opportunity to, to go to this amazing university, the University of Notre Dame, and I got a soccer scholarship to go there. As a young athlete stepping onto that campus, going to play for one of the best college soccer teams in the country, as a young 18-year-old high school kid, I thought I was going to start right away. I was quickly uh, deterred from that fantasy. My first practice, first practice, literally first practice, I'm walking out, and my coach walks up to, next to me and says, Phil, we're going to redshirt you this year. Which, if you know anything about college sports, means, Phil, you're not going to play this year. I was like, what? what? Inside. I didn't say, I was like crushed inside. 
I had this dream. I was like, I'm going to play. I'm going to be the starting goalie for the next four years. I'm going to go on to play professionally and do all these things. And my coach says, no, you're not. Not right now. Not right now. Little did I know, it would be another two years before I ever played in my first game. Two years of practicing. Two years of training. Two years of working hard. Meaning, I had to work as hard as everyone else, but you don't get to play. Wait, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. I sat on the bench for two years. Going into my junior year in in college, my coach comes up to me one day and he says, Phil, you're going to play on Friday night. I said, oh, that's cool. But on the inside, I was like, yeah, finally, here's my chance. Yes, I call home, call my parents and say, yes, I'm playing. Finally get my chance. We drove to to the University of Michigan that night on Friday, and we lost. Primarily my fault as the goalie. We lost three to one, and I gave up three horrible goals, and we lost. And you could generally blame that loss on me, no one else. I had trained for two years. I had practiced for two years. But when I got on the stage... Something came over me that I didn't know was going to happen. I was so nervous I couldn't perform. I was so nervous I like tensed up so much that I I couldn't perform. I couldn't do it. And I failed that first test. I failed. My team knew it. I knew it. I failed. Even though I had trained that long. I didn't know it would be another month before I got my next chance. And it wasn't by choice. It was, I had to play. The goalie who was playing in front of me got hurt, got injured, and I had to play. I don't think anyone would have picked me at that point. I was horrible. But I had to play because I was the backup. It was a home game. We were playing against Georgetown University. Big game for us. Big conference game. It's 0-0. The goalie in front of me goes down. I get to go in the game. They're like, Phil, throw your stuff on. The best thing happened to me. It happened so fast, I didn't even get to think about it. I just went in there and did it. And we won 2 nothing. And this time, I, I passed the test. I passed. When I was preparing for this message, the Lord was speaking to me about the test that I've walked through. Sometimes we view tests as, this is horrible. This is terrible. But actually, these tests, as an athlete, these games, I couldn't have been more happy to to step into. I couldn't have been more excited. Even though I failed my first one, it got better, and it got better, and it got better, and it got better. So when James says, consider it a great joy when trials come your way. Why? Because the trial is actually from the Lord. Why? Because he's saying, Phil, I've taught you over this period of time. Now I'm going to see if you actually learned anything. Now I'm going to see. Now's the time to perform. You've been sitting in this nice, safe place. You've been sitting at home doing your journaling, doing your devotions, and now it's time to live this out. Now it's time to do something. 
Have you learned anything? Have you learned anything? I love what he says in this first, first piece. And this is like terrible for some of us. Whenever you experience various trials, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. What does God know? He knows that when faith is tested, it produces something. When your faith is tested, it produces endurance. Endurance as an athlete, as a soccer player, is huge. Basically, endurance is something that remains. Something that remains. You could sit in a church for your entire life and learn nothing. Learn nothing. The test is to say, what have you learned? What has become a part of you? That you're going to live this out the rest of your life. He says that endurance, once it completes its work, produces a mature, complete, lacking nothing believer. That's incredible. I don't know about you, but when I have that perspective about a trial, about a testing, I'm actually excited about it. That changes it. That's like, oh, wait, hold up. I can pass this. I can pass this. The problem we get into is when we confuse a trial with a temptation. Many of us step into trials and say, this is from the enemy. This is from the enemy. Oh, goodness. Hey, Richie, I'm going through a really hard time. This is just so painful, so painful, so painful. It's like, well, are you a child of God? Maybe he sent you into that trial so that you would have the victory on the other side. Maybe he sent you into the, into the trial because he's already given you the victory. And he's just waiting for you to enforce it. He's waiting for you to figure out who you are. Come on. You think God defeated the enemy so that you would be buried and crushed by him? No, 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 no. It's so that you can walk in victory too. Later on, James says this. He says, no, no, don't confuse this. When you're in a trial, don't say, I'm being tempted by God. He says, no, 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 God's not tempted by evil. He's like, the enemy is the one who tempts. The enemy is the one who tempts. So an actual temptation is from the enemy. But how many of you know God uses the enemy? God can use anybody. God can use anybody. The enemy's like a puppet. The enemy's like a puppet. God says, oh yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lead Job into this situation. And yeah, go ahead, enemy. Go ahead. And Job crushes the enemy under his feet. Job does. Yeah, everything's taken from me. I'm, I still win. I still win. Oh, I'm, I'm on this cross right now. <laughs> I still win. I've still won. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you, you took my parents from me. Oh, I I have cancer. I still win. I still win. I'm still in victory. I still have victory. I know what Jesus did for me. I still have victory. Preach to myself if I have to. This next portion, go to uh, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and right away forgets what kind of man he was. 
but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts, this person will be blessed in what he does. Pure and undefiled religion before God, this is verse 27, before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I would say about six months ago, maybe a year ago, Kaylin and I, we wrote out all our dreams. So Kaylin and I were both dreamers. We wrote out all our dreams. We quickly realized all our dreams were about us. And as we began to pray, God said, those aren't my dreams. Those aren't my dreams. He's like, do you want to know what I care about? And we started to pray. We started to pray. We started to pray. And God started to speak to us about his heart. Psalm 68 speaks to us. He says, he is a father to the fatherless. He provides a home for the deserted. He takes care of the widow and watches over the prisoner. He's like, that's who I care about. I care about that young man at Pembroke Academy right now who's stuck in a porn addiction. I care about him. Where are you? Hey, these orphans in your community that nobody's adopting, that nobody wants, where are you? Do you have a home? Can you take them in? I was like, oh my goodness. So over the last, I would say, six months or so, the Lord has been stirring this in me, stirring this in me, stirring this in me. And I've been going through his word over and over and over and over and over and finding every portion of scripture that speaks about God being a father to the fatherless, God taking care of the orphan, God taking care of the widow, God looking out for the less fortunate. About two, three weeks ago, uh, Kayla and I were sitting in the office, and I had been going through this again and again and again. It's just been stirring in me. And I said, Kaylin, I can't sit here today. We have to go do something. We have to go do something. I said, God, what do you want us to do? He said, go down to, to Morningstar, the Morningstar apartments right over there. And he gives me this vision of this woman, this, this older African woman. She was in uh, a specific kind of dress. And I, it was like in the picture, I knew what the dress was. Very colorful, all kinds of different things. He's like, when you go there, you're going to see this woman. I said, all right. All right, let's see what this is about. So we drive over there. We park in the Arnie's parking lot right across from the apartments. Literally less than a minute, this woman starts walking by. The exact woman that the Lord had showed me. And I was like, Kaylin, that's the one. I was like, let's like, like, get out. Go talk to her real quick. <laughs> How classic is that? And God told me to do something. Yeah, Kaylin, go do that. Go there. <laughs> oh, goodness. So she did. And uh, we quickly realized she didn't speak any English. She, she, she I don't, Maranzi, was she from Rwanda? I don't, I don't know if you remember. So, <clears throat> oh, Burundi. She was from Burundi. She, she spoke zero English, like could understand nothing. She didn't know hello. She didn't know anything. The Lord said, that's the woman. We're like, what the heck do we do? Like, what can, what can you do? Like, she, she walks over to our car, and she sees our daughter. She sees Kingsley. And she falls in love with our daughter. She begins to take Kaylin by the hand and leads us, all three of us, to her apartment. Takes us into her home. 
we just start walking into our home. We realized something, I think, when we walked in the home. Any parents ever buy, like, default diapers, like, faulty diapers that just, like, your kid busts through those things? Uh, that happened. Uh, and this, this woman, as she's grabbing our child, we realize, like, oh, my gosh, there's stuff all over her. We're like, are you for real? Like, this is embarrassing. Like, we walk into this woman's apartment, and this, she's holding our child, and there's pee everywhere. This is gross. Uh, it was just, like, ridiculous. So we called. We called a, a, f- a friend of ours and said, hey, hey, we really need you to help us out. Can you, can you translate for us? So I, get, I give her the phone. He starts talking to her. I said, hey, I feel like the Lord's led us here to provide for some of her needs. Like, if she has any needs, we just want to know about them right now. Can you ask her? Immediately when he asked this question, do you have any needs? She breaks down crying. Immediately. The classic American response to, hey, do you need anything? He's like, no, man, I'm good. I'm all set. I'm I'm good. I'm good. How many of you know when you ask someone, do you need anything? And they break down crying, they really need something. They really need something. It's like, wait, what? You're asking me that question? So we quickly realized this woman and her husband had just gotten to America. They didn't have toilet paper. They didn't have cleaning supplies. They didn't have toothpaste. They didn't have toothbrushes. They didn't have anything. They had enough for food. Like, for food. Like, had some food stamps and were getting some food. But they couldn't buy anything else with this. And they couldn't get it anywhere else. And it was just like, oh my gosh. Hey, if there's anybody in our community that needs toilet paper, come see me. I'll buy you toilet paper. For real. And anybody else in here will too. In the midst of this circumstance, everything that he had been teaching me started to rise up within me. It started to rise up. It started to rise up, meaning God cares about this woman. God sent me here today to be his hands, his feet, to walk into her situation and change it. Change it. So we did. And we took her to Walmart. And we were like, buy whatever you want. Buy the store. We'll buy the store for you if you want it. Like anything. It was that type of like, God, this is what God would do for me. This is what he has done for me. So we're going to step into this. We're going to step into this. That was my test. God had been working on me for six months to have the heart for that woman. And then he said, now go. Here's your trial. Here's your testing. What are you going to do? I could have easily sat in that office all day long. But he said, there's someone in need. There's someone you need to go to. There's a storyline throughout James 1. I absolutely love this storyline. And we'll finish with this. If you guys want to stand to your feet, we'll finish with this. At the very beginning, he says, consider it a great joy when trials come your way. Because faith produces endurance. And when endurance has done its complete work, it produces a mature, complete, lacking nothing believer. At the very end of this same chapter, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God our Father is this. 
how much more laid out could it be for us? Like, what else are you looking for? This isn't like read between the lines, figure out the history behind it, figure out who you're writing to. This is, this is it. Take care of the orphan. Take care of the widow in their distress. I love this picture because he's saying, in that widow's trial, you could be the solution. In that orphan's trial, you could be the solution. You could solve it. You could be the hands and feet of Jesus. You could do it. When that woman had no toilet paper, God sent me. God sent Kaylin. God sent our daughter. God's doing something different here at Gracie Capital Church. God's doing something different in the church overall. This is no more a holy huddle. I would gladly burn down this building and the church will not die. The church will live on. It's not a building. It's you. It's you. You're it. You're the solution, not the building. Man, we could build bigger buildings and do all this crazy stuff. It doesn't matter because you're it. If you go out and do nothing, if you leave this place and do nothing, the city will never change. The people will never change. That woman from Africa who traveled all the way here won't know any difference. She, She won't is until you go until you do it until you walk this out every single day if you're saying this morning I'm committing to this I'm committing to this I'm going to look for those opportunities I'm saying yes to every single one I'm going to allow God to do this in my life where I actually have a heart for these people Not not just a generous act In verse 17, it says, Every generous act and every giving is from the Father of lights. If you don't do it, he's going to convince the world to do it. There's a man by the name of Bill Gates who's given a lot of money to people like this. If the church doesn't do it, God will have the world do it. But he wants to use you. He wants you to do it. But he cares so much about them, he'll use anybody but he wants to use you. If you're saying this morning, that's me, I want you to come forward. I want you to come stand at this altar and say, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to do it. And don't do this lightly because God sees you. God sees you and he's going to send you. we say that at Grace Capital Church we will have your heart for these people we will we will we will I thank you that every single one of these people that have said yes you see them right there and I thank you that you are setting them up right now to complete the good works you've set out for them that they can actually walk in it every single day I thank you that your heart for the less fortunate for the fatherless for the orphan for the widow you're depositing that in them right now You're breaking their heart for those people. That when they leave this place, they will never be the same. They'll say, I have to do something right now. There's somebody in need. I have to do something. I have to do something. Even if it makes me uncomfortable, I have to do something. 
God, we're saying we're a church that will do something. We will not just sit in this building week after week and do nothing. We're going to do exactly what you told us to do. The pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this to take care of the orphan and the widow in their distress. God, I declare right now that you show every single person right here a person. Put it on their heart right now. Put someone on their heart saying, you need to take care of them. That young boy, that older woman, whoever it is, God, release that right now in this place. Over every single one of these people who has said yes, they've said yes, they've said yes. And we release that right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I just want you guys to remain here as we worship into this next song. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 